So the Bible says that that love, the word that that's used there, and I, and I point this out in chapter three of the book, um, it's called Love and the Man. The word used there is aguapo, which is a form of agape, and agapo, rather. And it just shows that the love that God has for us compels us, compelled him, compelled him to do something that nothing, no one else could do, to send his son to the earth and die. So when you look at that, think about this. If, and we in this virus thing, so I guess this is an easy, an easy analogy. If, if, if there was a cure for the virus, let's just say there was, a, there was one person. Let's just say there's a person who has, that, has a, had the virus and, and somehow their body developed um, a system, an antibody system or something, a resistance system that if we took their blood and took their um, something from their body, that it would, we could make a vaccine that would make the entire world resistant to this particular virus that was killing the world. And let's say that that person who developed that was your son. Would you allow your son to die for everyone else in the world? Think about that. Now you're talking about everyone in the world, not just one person, not just the people you like, even the people you don't like, even the people who hate you. Would you allow your son to die? For everyone else in the world. So everyone else in the world can keep on living and doing whatever they're going to do. And these people are not going to be thankful. They're not going to be thankful that you, that you sacrificed your son. They're going to despise you even. Some are going to talk about you. Some are going to say you were stupid. Some are going to say you're not real. And let's just say the world found out that your son had those antibodies and people were trying to kill him before he was supposed to die. Would you still voluntarily let him die? I, I can't think of that I would let my son die for the world. I can't. I can't say, you know, yeah, I'm going to let my son die for the world. Yeah, I'm going to let him die. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to save the world. Let my son die. I, I can't say that I would do that. But the book of John says that that's what God did, that he loves us so much that he was compelled to do that. Compelled to do that. It was in his system. His, his desire, his being in his innermost parts, that I'm going to do that. That's what I point them to, that that love has to move us to do something for God. It has to move us. We can't play with this. We are living in some perilous times. And so it is my assignment, it is my assignment to speak to men about the word of God. Now, I don't just speak to men only and not speak to a woman. I don't speak to women too, but, but my assignment isn't for women. My assignment is to speak to men about the word of God. That's my assignment. My assignment is to speak to men about the word of God. Get the word of God to as many men that will hear it and, 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 and move themselves, move themselves into a place that they can receive the blessing of God, upon, not just upon them. Number 6, 20, 24 through 26 helps them see that that blessing isn't just for the man. That blessing is for his family and his children and for generation after generation. That blessing, that blessing is generational. Look, we are so accustomed to generational curses that we have forgotten about blessings. Think, think about this. We all say, yeah, he get that from his daddy. You see a dude drinking. 
Yeah, his daddy, his dad, and his granddaddy were drinkers, right? My family, my family, sexual promiscuity and drinking and alcoholism, it runs through generations. Both sides, mama and daddy, runs through generations. And it ran through me until I decided to be a curse breaker. We have to be curse breakers. Because we hear that, yeah, you know, their family got it. Even when it comes to physical ailments. We hear, yeah, you know, their grandma has sugar and then their mama has sugar. You know, we hear that. So you going to have it too. I ain't going to have it. No. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not going to have it. I'm not claiming that. No. Well, you know, his great-grandfather was alcoholic and his grandfather was alcoholic and uncles and his father were alcoholic. He, he definitely be alcoholic too. No, I'm not. You have to be a curse breaker. You have to you have to, to decide for yourself that, that that was enough. Now's the time to stop this. And and stop it. You can't be we can't just be casual about this. Now, does everyone have the same fire for God as, as the next person? No, your fire is determined by your level of intentionality, your level of, of where you think you are where you need to be. So that's that, you know, everybody doesn't have to look the same, get that. But we have to understand that in order for us to, to enjoy the peace that comes with God, there has to be some an intentional living on our, on our part. People say, I'm not just, you know, most men leave the spiritual things at home to the women. Think about that. Most men, you know, you go into any church and the church is 70% women, 75% women, 75% women, 20% men and 5% kids. And that's what that means. Two out of every 10 people in the church is a man. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's backwards. We leave it to the women. Yeah, you know, my wife go to church. Okay, what I got to do with you? You're supposed to lead her. When all the studies, all the statistical analysis show that when a man leads his family to church, the children are 90% more likely to stay in the things of God. When a man leads their family, and not saying anything negative against the women, this is, this is not a woman bashing, not at all, not at all. Women are vital in the kingdom of God, vital. Their role is vital. It's proven throughout scriptures. We have mighty women of God. We have Esther and Miriam and Anna. I mean, mighty women of God. So this is not to, do, to, do, to demean women, but we want to show that when the influence and the power and the authority of a man, mightiness, that when a man brings his family to church, 90% of the time, the children continue in the things of God. That's an amazing statistic. When a man leads his family to the things of God, they prosper. When he leads his family to God, they prosper. You see, as a man, I'm responsible to God for my family. Even in the Garden of Eden, think about this. Eve was the first one who ate the fruit, right? Eve ate the fruit. God didn't go talk to Eve. He said, Adam, what have you done? He held Adam responsible. Eve was the one deceived by the devil. God didn't hold Eve responsible. He held Adam responsible. He said, what have you done? And that was a that was a broad question because you know and I'm and I'm giving a little bit of the book away in in the, in the first chapter but but that was a broad question because Adam didn't just sin then when he ate the fruit he sinned when he allowed the devil to communicate with his wife 
and he didn't block it. Because you can tell from the conversations in Genesis 3 where the conversation begins with Eve talking to the serpent that this wasn't the first time that Eve had spoken to the serpent. Because the devil had been talking to her and talking to her. Remember, the tree of knowledge of good and bad was in the middle of the garden. So they had walked by it multiple times. It's something that they could see. It was tangible. And, 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 and it's no doubt that the devil had put it on mind many days. That tree looked good. Girl, you need to go on over and get some of that. And Adam never interrupted that conversation. He allowed that conversation to go on. He didn't exercise his authority and headship right there. He was at fault, the man, which is why God went to him. What have you done? What have you done? See, then Corinthians, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says that, that the man is the image of God and the woman is the image of man. So with, as men, we have to show our women what God looks like. And God ain't smoking weed and God ain't tricking and God ain't beating his women. That's for real. That's real talk. So we have to show them what God looks like. If you show her what God looks like, she'll follow you anywhere. Because that's what appeals to her. That's what appeals to her spirit. So that's my goal. Talk to men about how they can bring themselves to be in God's favor. Is it, a, is it, is it something that uh, is easy? Not at first. The Christian walk is hard. And then it, gets, it becomes easy. Because it becomes something that you do. It's who you are. But the, to get to that process is extensive. So now, as a man, when I walk, it's natural for me to just walk and, and to think of the things of God. It's natural for me that when I'm faced with a situation to bring the scripture up. It's natural for me that when I walk, not to be looking at other women. It's natural for me not to curse. It's just natural for me. Because now I'm walking in the spirit instead of the flesh. You know what I'm saying? I'm not even thinking about it. It's not something that I have to, you know, that I have to, you know, I have to make an intentional effort. Don't get me wrong. I get up and I pray to make sure that God protects me. And then I make an intentional effort in his way to make sure I do things his way. I have to make an intentional effort, but it is easier because I'm walking in the things of God. 